Hello and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, we invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is singer-songwriter Connor Sherlin, a musician out of California. Connor has written over 300 songs, released six EPs, and has his first full-length album, Lake, coming out soon, possibly out when this episode airs. Welcome, Connor, and thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, appreciate you joining, and again, thank you for the flexibility. We had to postpone this a couple times, but uh, definitely gave me more time to dive into this particular album, which I really enjoyed. So let's jump right into this. What album did you bring to the table, and what makes it special to you? Yeah, uh, the Gaslight Anthem, 59 Sounds. You also mentioned that your wife really digs this album, right? She does. She came into my office several times when I had this playing and nodded with approval. And she wanted me to thank you for finally getting me to listen to the Gaslight Anthem. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She would walk in um, and no matter what song was on, she'd know the words. She knew it front to back. It's so good. The way I describe this album to people is it's not, I don't think it's the best songs in the universe on it. I think it's just like when it comes down to like who has the best album, I'm like, if you want to pick one that's like very specific to me, like this is the one that I like really listened to and has like really formed not only like how I want to songwrite, just like how I engage with nostalgia in a more positive way. I have my Linkin Park era where you're just like going back and it's like, it's nostalgic, but it's also like hyper emotional and like kind of painful, you know? Right. And then you have like your like stupid love songs kind of nostalgic, but this is like... So I first heard this album because I had this roommate in college um, back at UC Santa Barbara. His name's Dean. And he would put this on and then we would just play Super Smash Brothers for like the duration of the album. And like it took me like three listens through to the album being like, wait, what is this? This is my favorite thing ever. And it like so it had already like sunk in like three times through. But like this kind of album is like a spiritual touchstone for me where like you just continue to go back to it because you're like, how do you like the song, the actual title track has just like the most perfect song structure. (laughs) Like honestly, it feels like that should have been the intro to the album just because it like it has the big like guitar feedback sounds at the beginning like it's starting the album if i ever do get to meet brian the lead singer that will be my question but the first verse says well i wonder which song they're gonna play when we go i hope it's something quiet and minor and peaceful and slow as we float out into the ether into the everlasting arms i hope we don't hear marley's chains we forged in life because the chains i've been hearing now for most of my life There's a lot to unpack in that particular statement, yeah. That feels so personal for me because it's like, I think so many people relate to this, which is like, ideally you want your funeral to play the songs that you like, (laughs) 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 right? It'd be, because a lot of the times at funerals, they're playing, like I went to one recently and it was like church music, which is like fine, but it was like kind of like praise church music and it's not necessarily the vibe 
And I think about like the songs that I really enjoy now and the songs that I would want to be played when I'm gone and being like, yeah, I, w <laughs> I would want it to be quiet and minor and peaceful and slow. I also just like love the Dickens thing here because it's like when I was a kid, I watched the, you mentioned the Muppets earlier. Like I watched the Muppets Christmas Carol yeah. growing up. Absolutely. And we're, yeah. The Marley, Mar Marley and Marley. Marley. And that, like, when you're a kid, that hit me so, like, it's so scary. That scene is so scary. And it's meant to be scary. Yeah, absolutely. Especially to children and being like, yeah, that was just such a big part of my childhood of thinking about how stinginess and, like, self-servingness, like, forges these chains on you that, like, follow you into the afterlife. And that can just be put on you as soon as you, like, get into the afterlife. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> it's it's nice that that classic reference is still alive today in this music. I, I caught that right away. That was a a really visual reference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks to the Muppets, and also thanks to there's Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds just did a take. How did on, they? It, it, it came out like that. last year. It was also pretty good, and they have a good they have a good Marley scene. It's a lot less scary, so that's that's a little less good, but. Yeah, I just think it's really hard to balance talking about death in songs with like just like having a banger song and having it actually be able to touch on and make you like float around the topic of death. My read of this scenario is someone who is the same age as Brian Fallon, someone who is the same age of, as him dies and him like singing this song to that person. Apparently it was a, a fellow member of the New Jersey music scene named Zach Finch, who died in a car accident wow. in 2007. Wow. And event influenced several songs on this album. Because wow. death and reflection is a recurring theme through many of these songs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Decisions, what happens after, did you live a good life, will you be remembered? All of those things happen in cars. A lot of references to cars. A lot of references to cars. <laughs> <laughs> And radios. It was great how, how they did mesh all that together in a very beautifully flowing album. Yeah. Because similar to you, when I listened to it, you mentioned you, you were playing video games and just it was in the background and then it kind of hit you. And it was yeah. kind of the same for me. I had it playing several times and you know I was digging the music sonically. Yeah. I was like, this is good. This is like if The Killers, Jim Blossoms, and Bruce Springsteen had a baby. You know, this is right. yeah. This is pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Should have listened to it a long time ago. And then, as I do with a lot of these albums, I, I just repeat listens and then I start zeroing in on these lyrics and mm -hmm. what the, the narrator's trying to say. And it's very poetic mm -hmm. and, and very honest. Authentic. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. You could tell that this is authentic from the guy's soul. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting how, I mean, there's really good lyrics on its own, but I think this this album also taught me a younger age, like how important it is to reference things that are already in the public consciousness. Because when you reference those things, you have an alleyway like directly into whatever that means for that person. So Ooh. like there's just so many literary references where you're like <laughs> great expectations, you like have you're like, oh, Dick, yeah, Dickens that. right like, off the like, bat. Yeah. Yeah. So ju just like the importance of touching nostalgia as a tool to like get to people's hearts so that you can actually like speak to their hearts a little bit easier. 
Well, there's also a million musical references throughout the whole thing from from Springsteen to Tom Petty to Bob Seger and Elvis and Counting nice. Crows, obviously Miles Davis. Yeah. Otis Redding and Tom Waits. There's just, there's a million of them in there and it's, it's great how he weaves that in there and it's almost like a love letter to the music that he grew up with that shaped him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was just on a, um, a Bruce Springsteen centered podcast and, uh, we got to talk about the Gaslight Anthem as well because they were like, yeah, oh, really? I mean, <laughs> cause this guy is really pulling from a lot of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Lots of Springsteen, but apparently they opened for him for some festivals and Springsteen oh, joined cool. him on stage. Yeah, I don't remember Jeez. which uh, which tracks, but there was some some stage sharing there, which is pretty cool of Bruce. Yeah, that's the dream. When you were listening through to it, what, what was like your your first song that that you were like, oh, I really want to keep listening to this one or like dig into this one more? Oh, film noir. Film noir, interesting. Why? Uh, Let me scroll down to my notes on that one. Let's see. uh, It's a bit of a breather. It's track five. And track five is almost like always a turning point on an album. Tracks five and six usually are, which has been my, I'm not saying always, I'm just saying of all the albums we've done on this show, that's always been the pattern. And the albums that are brought to this show are the cream of the crop. You know, no one's bringing duds to this show. They're all great albums. Right. And track five is just kind of a, a turning point. And this one is the the pace stalls for a second and it has a, a yeah. different sort of intro and then it builds mm-hmm. back up. But I like the lyrics of it. I like the concept. And I have a note here, a great line, but nobody never going to tell you the way you got to figure it out, boys, and suffer the rain. Yeah. I liked that line a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But like actually from and we'll, we'll we can start at the beginning of the tracks and see how because one of my questions is how do you listen to it do you go all the way through or do you skip around oh i listen to this album all the way through just like <laughs> start start to finish and then i'll listen to it again but this is very frequently i live in los angeles but i do a lot of work in santa barbara because i moved to los angeles in the last like year and a half so i very frequently have this like it's either an hour and a half drive or it's like a three-hour drive from from here to Santa Barbara. <laughs> so like this album on, and there there are like a couple others that I'll that I'll bounce around with. But this one I'll just listen to all the way through. What's really like a cool because it's very interesting for me to hear what sticks out to you, like which lines stick out to you because I come out everything from like a songwriter's perspective and being like, wow, that's fascinating that that category of thing hit my heart so well. So the phrase at the beginning, I'm all washed out by the side of the road. I think that's a good phrase. It's like decently poetic. And then it says, broken bones, Matilda, left a note in a row, saying baby, only child. Like that line is insane to me. Broken bones, Matilda, left a note in a rose, saying baby, honey, child. That like, one, he's giving a nickname to a person like Matilda is now called Broken Bones Matilda. It's an amazing nickname for someone. <laughs> it's like there's a giant story inside of that nickname. Yeah. And it it creates a past. Like within two words, all of a sudden you have this backstory on a character. And then left a note in a rose, which is like decent, vague. It's like it's good and it like it matches 
the vibe perfectly and then saying baby honey child baby honey child right next to each other they all like there's a reason why so many songs say baby all the time it's because like it's reassuring to us to like hear it and like and then when we hear honey and when we hear child like ooh child things are gonna get easier like yeah they do feel reassuring and to have them said one after another it feels so good we're like oh baby honey child you're like oh yeah it felt like begging to me uh, i mean when you uh, use really? those terms of endearment all at once yeah it's a begging sort of nature you know please listen to me yeah baby honey child yeah i'm trying to remember where there's another really good it might have been in at each episode I do, I have three to four takeaway tracks that I put in yeah. a, a large playlist. Music Rewind selects. It's on Spotify. And my three takeaway tracks were yeah. High Lonesome, track four. Nice. Film Noir, and Here's Looking at You, Kid. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Miles Davis and the Cool was, was borderline, but Here's Looking at You, Kid, I just kind of enjoyed that song. That's fascinating. It's very interesting what which of these songs are coming after you, because <laughs> it, it sounds like you would you'll like Brian Fallon as a solo artist possibly more <laughs> than in the Gaslight Anthem. Because my wife, she was like when she first listened to this album, she was like, "Yeah, I really like." Cause she she loved. Here's looking at you, kid, and a lot of that is because his voice is like so tender, and he really good at emoting in his lower register. Yeah. But in a lot of the other songs, he just kind of stays at this like top level where he's singing really high the whole time. And I can sense that that is not everybody's vibe, but I'm like, I'm like all about it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that like if anybody's looking to get into Brian Fallon, Gaslight Anthem, like here's looking at you kid is just a, a heartbreak of a song. You can tell Gail if she calls. That I'm famous now for all of these rock and roll songs And even if that's a lie She should have given me a try Not only the lyrics, but I was playing the little melody part where it's like What is that? What is it? How's it goes? And then that's like you're like in between, in yeah. between every little like verse and chorus. And it's just so pretty and it's so simple. It blows my mind how simple this song is. <laughs> but <laughs> for me, number one, I love the story around it. And, and I don't know the true stories. I mean, obviously he's talking to girls from his past. Yeah. You know, as far as, you know, did Gail ever call, you know, that sort of thing. And he's writing it as if he's a big rock star. But he wrote it yeah. before he was a big rock star. And right. I, I, I love that aspect of it because he says in there, this is a deceit. Yeah. You know, even he, if that's a lie. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that goes back to the authentic honesty. And yeah. in the one of the themes of reflection, you know, he's, he's thinking back on it. But then also musically, I love the way it, this is a slower song and it really goes well into the end. Yeah. Uh, the backseat. I know we're jumping yeah. around the album, but that's fine. But it just, it really cuts into a great album ending banger. Yeah. I mean, the backseat is also insane. Okay. So sticking with, here's looking at you kid for a second. 
the line you said like that's total deceit the next line is but she should have married me <laughs> and i think it's such a beautiful way because it's i think another huge thing to take away from this album is like certain phrases could sound really trite depending on how you said it and the way that he delivers but she should have married me it's like really gentle and tender and like I think that this song, like, and that line has a an analog to it in every stanza. So, like, he's talking about Gail in the first verse, and he says, and even if that's a lie, she should have given me a try. In the second one, he's talking to Janie, and he says, that's total deceit, but she should have married me. Uh, there's one, he said, uh, you know, if you had chosen me, I would have sang your name through the, the halls of the high school or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And through the Hollywood stars and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a song out there by Toby Keith. How do you like me now? And it's in the same vein, but yeah. it's completely different because at that point he already was a star, I think. Oh, really? Or, yeah, in the country yeah. music sphere. That one was gloating. Yeah. This one is reflection. I enjoy this one. I mean, that, that, that. I mean, the other song's fine, but I like this one so much better because it just, it's it's him really kind of, you know, just, he's not pining for these girls. He's just reflecting back on things that happen. Yeah, I think it's super relatable in the sense that I think everyone sees themselves as special in like some particular way. And we've all had people look at us and consider us not special based yes. off of reasons X, Y, and Z. Exactly. And so, like, he's really leaning into this idea of, like, all these girls, like, couldn't see that, like, he was actually really brilliant. And, like, I love that it's, that it he uses, like, varying degrees of how much commitment they should have given him. Like, <laughs> she should have at least given me a try, like, is a really small level of commitment. But it's, yeah. it's really beautifully said and then should have married me is a different one. But the delivery of some of these lines where he says, and tell her I spent every night of my youth on the floor bleeding out from all these wounds. Okay, now I remembered my first back to the nicknames thing. Great Expectations lyrics. He has another really great title in Great Expectations about girl with blood. And Yeah, here we go. And they burned up the diner where I always used to find her licking young boy's blood from her claws. And I learned about the blues from this kitten I knew. Her hair was raven and her heart was like a tomb. My heart is like a wound. <laughs> that line with like the way these phrases are like speaking to each other of like here's looking at you kids saying like bleeding out from all these wounds and then like that's such it like you could consider it a callback to that first song where he's like yeah you know he's talking about this girl that he met who is licking young boy's blood from her claws that's like a crazy that's like it's such a crazy poetic line to have well, poetic is the is the best way i can describe that one yeah yeah, and then, like, her hair was raven and her heart was like a tomb. It's just, like, <laughs> it just gives you so, so much room to wonder. And I think that really something that lets this album shine so much is, like, you can guess, but you can't know the exact thing that he's pointing to. And 
that space that you're allowed to wonder allows you to put yourself in it. And I was going to say, very relatable. You know, everyone yes. has had experiences like almost every single reference he has in these. Yeah. Yeah. You said your favorites were, was it Meet Me by the River's Edge was the, was the third? No, it was High Lonesome. High and Lonesome. Hi, track four, High Lonesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one was uh, was also you know, very poetic. So gravity came and stole the temple that the boys praised. You're getting drinks from the same boys who once bought you everything, and the powder on the bar was just this one time. It paints a very clear picture of, again, the girl from high school who was the thing, but but now she's the one serving drinks at the bar back home, and that yeah. that cocaine on the bar was just that one time. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't just that one time. I mean, it's 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 yeah. sad, but yeah, you know, that's I say most people know people like that because it's related. Yeah. You can probably picture one. It's also crazy how cool of a line the phrase "I always kind of sort of wished I looked like Elvis." It's cool because, I mean, it it has a, a sister line which is "I always kind of sort of wished I was someone else." Well, I took that as a Counting Crows reference. Oh, you did? Yeah, from, from Round Here. Please tell me. The song Round Here, Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand, says she wants to meet a boy who looks like Elvis. Oh, wow. So okay, I, I took well, that as a County Crows callback. That probably is straight that, yeah, all right. That's yeah. cool. But I mean, in, in High Lonesome, he, he talks about Southern accents, the 85 Tom Petty song, and then goes right into quoting I'm on Fire from Springsteen. It's just, That's cool. It's Yeah, that's the way he's able to, to weave all that in there, I love it. Yeah, that's the you know the rest line, right? Yes, it's a good. It's, it's a pretty good song. Maybe you know the rest. Yeah, walk through the streets with my feet soaking wet. Yeah, with the feet soaking wet. Yeah, it's a good tune. You know the rest, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know. Counting crows. Okay, I need to listen to Counting Crows. Then is is what it is. Yeah, I think that's off Recovering Satellites. Nice. Great album. Yeah, I'm so shocked with your three. I'm, but I'm very, I'm very pleased. Um, <laughs> Or you you were expecting the like the first uh you know, you know tracks one two and three I, I assume which are all great tracks don't get me wrong I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. those I, I just those the the takeaway ones that I wanted to put on a separate playlist were those three I love it I love it yeah I think I'm there with you with here's looking at you kid I also think probably the backseat and a fifty nine sound are probably going to be my my choices there again certain phrases you don't really know why they get stuck in your head but like this is one of those where like i'll find myself very frequently coming back to the line, the and in the back seats, we just try to find some room for our knees. And that's like a very... Uh, that's the note I made was that line. <laughs> yeah. It's just a good cramped vibe of a line. Yeah. It, it To me, it was the, the guy that's in the middle. He's, he's not a kid anymore, but he's not yeah. adult enough to be in the front seat. 
he's still yeah. stuck in the backseat, but he's running out of room. He's in yeah. the middle. Yeah. And, and that's a great way to describe it, the knees, the comet. And then he says, in the backseat, we need to find some room to breathe. I just think he's so good at opening songs. Like the the instrumentation of this song, it starts off. You said it was it was after he was looking at you, kid, for yeah. the in the track list. Yeah, yeah. And then so it finishes. Here's looking at you, kid, and it's like, dum da dum da. Here's looking at you, kid, and then it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, in the back seat so far, and it gets really, really big. Yeah, I think that's like one of the coolest ways to get into a song um like that goes up with me with like great expectations and 59 sound and they open the song it is for me it's such a big lesson in like how to make a song so hype in such a short amount of time you just pick like a really really good riff and then like build it up with a bunch of electric guitars and bass and then just like crash in with drums and vocals and it sounds it just sounds so good. The He says, In the back seats of burnt-out cars, in the disenchantment lane, the ideal angels twist and turn and ask forgiveness for future mistakes. And I think that that's just like, it's so vague and so relatable at the same time. Where it's like, forgiveness for future mistakes is one of those things that I'd like. I don't know what he means by burnout cars, though. That one escapes me. Yeah. Metaphor. I was thinking about people doing burnouts in cars because like I like come from a desert town where there's like a ton of space mm-hmm. so like there's just a bunch of people doing like car racing and donuts and like that kind of thing just like happens a lot and I have no idea where this guy's from but like oh this Jersey this is all Jersey oh okay yeah so H- hence the Bruce Springsteen harder. you know slammed in there <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a good question yeah, I've just been in a lot of cars as they've been burning out their tires. So. <laughs> and and I, I was picturing like a car, you know, burnt to a crisp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot harder to sit in, but it would feel, yeah, the, the visual also works. Yeah, I also think of like another way to interpret that is like you have a bunch of burnouts in the car, but I think oh, that then, yeah, it, that's, that's then a, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking back to my childhood where, yeah, in the 80s where you could get into a car where smoking was just common. So if you're yeah. nine, 10 years old and you go over to your friend's house and your family drives you somewhere and you're like, well, the car's full of smoke because the dad's smoking yeah. in front. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's, it's, yeah. it was kind of weird. My, my family <laughs> yeah. didn't do that. So it was just, it was always kind of odd. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the more reasonable interpretation of the lyric. <laughs> like <laughs> Just a bunch of, cause I mean, it kind of fits. With, that, that's one of those visual memories I have where I can smell it just sitting here, yeah. that memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a much more reasonable thing to to, to have experienced in, in this scenario. You mentioned um, song intros and going back to Great Expectations, a song that is about reflections and did I meet my great expectations that I had for myself kind of thing. Yeah. But it starts with a skipping record. So right off the bat, you've got a an audio metaphor of repeating mistakes. Uh-huh. Right off the bat, and I thought that was really 
really cool. That's really cool. Man, I didn't even pick up that that was, it's so, man, you're really doing your research here. I always thought that was just two good electric guitars that were just doing that. Well, they do the needle drop and then it, it skips like three times, I think. And oh. then, and then, well, then the, I think they play it and, and I could be completely wrong because I'm not a musician, but just, you got the, the say, like you said, the guitar riff and they play it like three times with still that, with that skipping sort of. Oh, cool. uh, record still in the background and then you know the song takes the left turn of but that intro is feels like skipping repeating something that's really cool man that's a really good catch man I'm quite impressed with that I have my moments yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a that's a really good one it's so impressive to me when an album feel and I don't know like if he thought about that being like a metaphor in and of itself but man i really hope that he did because that's a that'd be such a cool such a cool thing yeah if you yeah i mean i just may be reading way too much into it that's that's also true but that, that's the way i i heard it uh i not, would hope not the first time again this is on repeated listens once i had really dove into the lyrics and then you listen to it again and you just catch different new things which yeah. just, it's cool to have an album where every time you listen to it, you're grabbing onto something new. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's really interesting for this as like as a uh, songwriter is like I continue to as my ear continues to grow and like learn how to like differentiate certain things. Like this is the album that I go to when I'm like learning about drum patterns. This is like the like anytime I like start learning like what another instrument sounds like, I'm like I always come back to this thing. To try and parse out like all all the different parts. Yeah, there was where's one uh, Casanova baby had the nice drum intro on it. My note is living the blue collar life while trying to build a band and be with the girl. I'm the Casanova. You know, he's the Casanova, but not yeah. really. He's faking it. Yeah. This is a, another cool background vocals track as well. The oh no, I'm mixing this up. This is the right. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this one as like such a break from the other ones. Like this one feels happier to me. Yeah, like the just overall the chorus. The oh my my Virginia, we could run all night. It feels a lot dancier. Compared to the other ones, which are like kind of heavy subject matters, this is like a lot sweeter, a lot more lighthearted. Yeah, this is, it's him living his life trying to get the girl. Yeah. That's you know, similar, to, I think, to the one before, the patient Ferris wheel with this kind of just live in the moment. Yeah. What other things are you typically listening for when you're listening so intensely to an album? This is, I'm getting a, a lesson in like how to listen to an album specifically because i'm i'm listening to it as like a i feel like you're really studying these things but in a very different way i, I do yeah. for the show but this yeah. this i probably really was the target audience for this album in 2008 i think it came out in 2008 is that right yeah it's 2008 i'm surprised that i missed it but that was a a bit of a transition year for me from one life to the next and you know, jobs and stuff like that traveling a lot so i, I kind of missed a whole music scene that year and it's a shame because this really was an excellent album 
it hits me in my sweet spot because his influences are what I regularly listen to. You know, I listen to a ton of Tom Petty. I listen to a a lot of Springsteen, Tom Waits and Otis Redding, Bob Seger, Elvis Costello. I listen to all that. And then I think I mentioned earlier that they reminded me a lot of the killers. Love the killers. Yeah. And I listened to a lot of them in, you know, 05, 06, 07, you know, the, during their heyday. And yeah, this unfortunately blew right by me. I would have lashed onto this pretty quickly had I heard it then. Yeah. And really the authenticity of his vocals with the lyrics. I mean, with the, if someone was singing these lyrics without that honesty behind it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Anything more you want to mention on the 59th song? Oh, yeah. It's funny that there's a song called, like, that involves, like, a Ferris wheel. When I listen to this one, I always, like, see myself, like, on a roller coaster with my hands up. Because there's, uh, there's, like, this really fun chorus of, like, You and your hot top sneakers and your sailor tattoo. You and But yeah. in the background, it's like, oh, this one's just like another one of those feel goods. I think this album does a good job of breaking up the like really heavy topics with some feel good songs. And I think this is definitely one of those. Yeah. Do I have other things to say about the album? One one note I have on Old White Lincoln and then Into High Lonesome was that your know, tracks one through four are perpetual motion forward. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop. You know, once once you get past the the skipping record of those those few notes, it goes and goes and goes, and yeah. and then when you throw the lyrics in there, it's almost like the way I visualized it is a guy moving forward through life and making choices. And all of these songs are him looking back when he can't stop to see if the choices were correct or not. Yeah, and it comes to a stop at, at film noir. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a concept album. I'm just saying sonically, that's how it, the music flowed for me. And I like that. And yeah. the lyrics matched the, the pace of the album in that first half really well. Over mm-hmm. that, that whole theme of reflection and did I make the right choices? Yeah. I'm trying to think about closing statements for this record of <laughs> things, things that I love about it. I think it does such a good job. Like, it's interesting that you're using the word reflections because I think about reflections as like introspection, and and I do think there's like a ton of introspection here. But I feel a bunch of like, and the reflections is certainly involved in this. But I just feel like a ton of past sadness. One word I didn't use was regret. Hmm, so yeah. he's reflecting, but he's not saying that I made the bad decision because. As we all know in life, there's really is no right or wrong decision most of the time. It's just a yeah. decision. So yeah. could things have happened differently? Sure. If Gail could have called, sure, things would have gone differently for him, you know. But things happened and he lived his life the best he could, you know, with the decisions yeah. he made. Yeah. And I think that that's good. I, I thing that I feel like I really resonate with is this feeling of like looking back and no, it's not regret. But it is wonder, again, in the 59th song, he's asking, like, did you hear the rattling chains in the hospital walls? Meaning, like, 
like he's looking back at his past not knowing whether it's like good or bad he's looking at himself now not knowing if it's good or bad he doesn't know what the future is going to hold whether it be like eternal damnation or like embrace into the everlasting arms you know like, like <laughs> that i think is like this very interesting through line of like just looking back and not having an answer to that being very unsettling and i think that that's like a something that makes me feel very seen as i listen to the record i think that's how a lot of people like look back in retrospect where it's just like a lot of us say like oh i don't regret anything in my past and they're like no i don't regret my past because it brought me here and like I wouldn't trade the things that I have here, but I don't know that I did my best and I don't know that I'm good. <laughs> and so I live with this ambiguity. It's scary. <laughs> and that goes back to, it's very relatable. Yeah. Everybody can listen to this and imprint it on their own lives and, and have the same sort of, you know, reflective nature. Yes. Also like starting out with, with great expectations as like the counter to that of being like you like start off with life with these great expectations for what you're going to be and then you are what you are and then you have to deal with that difference yeah in whatever whatever your expectation was and i just think this also hell holds like mourning that pretty well i'd like to take a moment and throw a suggestion out to all our listeners there's a show out there that is a musical face-off like no other Dive into Song Swap Showdown, your go-to spot for weekly music clashes. Join Chris and Amanda as they exchange tunes, rate them, and dive deep into the world of music. From rock anthems to pop hits, they cover it all. A personal favorite episode of mine is where they each picked their favorite childhood cartoon themes like DuckTales and Transformers and then battled it out. It's great. Whether you're a music aficionado or just want a weekly pick-me-up, Song Swap Showdown is your jam. Join them every Monday at 8.15 a.m. Eastern, live on Facebook, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast platform. So, moving on from 59 Sound, what would be on your short list? So, three to five albums that maybe you could have spoken about, ones that mean a lot to you. We're not going to dive deep into them, just, just a short list, ones that you may have brought to the table. Okay. Well, this was also on, I think, one of your like promo things, but the Linkin Park Hybrid Theory is a big one <laughs> just based off of when i was young several people have the, wanted to talk about that one that's it's a popular yeah, one yeah yeah that's i mean it's for a good reason it's defining the oh, absolutely. That, that, that one came out right at the right time and yeah i was 20 I mean, yeah it was, it was perfect yeah i mean i was in like elementary school and it was still perfect <laughs> like I would, it's amazing how much uh how much angst someone in the suburbs can have at such a young age <laughs> am i thinking the stranger is that what i'm thinking billy joel billy joel the stranger ah oh, it's, it's my favorite billy joel album yeah the scenes from a italian restaurant mm -hmm. continues to be like something that i continue to go back to all the time there's a randy newman album called dark matter oh. that i continue to come back to he put that out in like 2016 and um it has some of the most heartbreaking songs to like if you're into here's looking at you kid then i would go to randy newman's randy newman like like short people randy newman the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That, oh, yeah. You're, the, you're the first person to bring up randy newman on this <laughs> podcast so 
Yeah, his album Dark Matter it has two songs. One is called uh, She Chose Me and another one called Wandering Boy. And I, those are just brutal listens, but like so, so beautiful. and Interesting. Uh, all um, I know of Randy Newman are the songs from movies. Yeah. Like the and beginning of the, Major League is the first thing that pops into my yeah. head when you mention yeah. Randy Newman. Yeah, he. none of these songs got put into any movies. <laughs> Which is a bummer, because these are like, these are really really good. I mean, it's all it's no short people. I'll tell you that there's nothing. And then there's probably like some pop punk emo kind of stuff, like a day to remembers. Okay, maybe like for those who have heart or something, which is <laughs> one of their early albums. That's like something for me to run to. Um, there are other ones. It's a hard question, and I love the it's answer. It's, it's always great when uh, I get some interesting answers on that one. Yeah, because there's, again, there's like so many songs that people like, but when it comes to like album, like what, what are the things that you put on? Oh, the Over the Garden Wall soundtrack. That's like, it's a Cartoon Network show. That's like one of my biggest inspirations. What kind of music's on that? I'll, it really ranges because it's it's like a soundtrack to the show. It was made by Cartoon Network in like 2000, I don't know, we'll call it the 2010s. And it's a 10-episode Cartoon Network series. Each episode is eight minutes. It feels very like Brothers Grimm kind of stories, but none of these stories you would have heard. They just feel familiar because they use a lot of Americana. And so there's a ton of, there's like ragtime kind of stuff. Okay. How the gentle wind beckons through the leaves as autumn colors fall. They get like Jack Jones and Tom Waits to be on it. Oh, no kidding. Elijah Wood is the like lead voice. I know nothing of this cartoon. I might have to go watch this. So, like, my music teacher is the composer for that soundtrack. Oh, cool. And so when I moved to Los Angeles, I was like, I was like, well, I've been in love with this for, like, eight years now. How about I, like, try and reach out to this person, see if this person's willing to teach me? And he's like, yeah, I live 15 minutes from you. And so I was like, crazy. That's <laughs> awesome. So I've, yeah, so I've been able to, like, study with that guy. And he's actually featured on the record that I'm putting out in October. Well, I mean, let's just lead right into that. I mean, tell our listeners what you do, what you got out there, and what's next for you. Yeah. Gosh, I can't believe I didn't say any Boney Vare records or any The National records or any Hosier records. I'm the worst. <laughs> or any yeah. Shaky Graves records. The, the National just released two singles today, actually. Oh, really? Nice. Out of nowhere, yeah. I need to... They just released an album, too, so... Hey, don't quote me on it, but they might not be on the album. Oh, really? Or maybe they are and just... I don't know. Don't yeah. Don't quote me on that. But uh, gotcha. My friends sent it to me. Space Invader and Alphabet City both released nice. today. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> Hosier's debut EP, <laughs> Bahamas, his Brown album, Earth Tones. These are all in there as well. Now, <laughs> now that you've asked me about my my music, I'm like, oh yeah, I listen to these people all the time. Okay. Yeah. I an artist and I make music <laughs> and now I'm transitioning from thinking of all these other artists toward my own music I'm in the process of finishing my first full-length record we just raised uh, $15,000 in about two months to make this and 
it's going well. The first single comes out an hour and a half from now. Um, so by the time this is coming out, absolutely it's out. Um, the yeah. first song is called is called Drugs. The second single is called Rocket, and yeah, and the the whole album is called Lake, and it's a it's a ten song album about very similarly to Fifty Nine Sound about death and reflection, and we experienced a uh, the death of a of a, of a family member uh, in this last year, and um, this was also the year that I had intended kind of separately that this was going to be the year that I make a full length record, and so it just turned out that like a lot of the processing of that grief showed up in this album and that was not what I had intended <laughs> it's not when you make a record you don't hope that it's sad at all <laughs> that's not the goal to be like oh yeah but the reason why I pull on the 15 sound so constantly is because it's this reminder I mean and for that reason like on that same note like hybrid theory and like a lot of these big records the reason why they're connecting with you is because they're dealing with really hard concepts. You're actually watching someone struggle through something, but the music is so good that it's easy to pick up. Like it's approachable because of the good music. And if you want to engage with what's actually being said, there's like a lot of depth to be plumbing there. And I, it's really good for me to know that some of my favorite records are actually grappling with hard things. And that's kind of what this last year has been been looking like. So all tracks written by you? All tracks written by me. These were written basically November through March of like 2022 through 2023. One yeah. of the songs is called uh, Loretta and it's those, that whole chord structure for that song was written by the same guy who did Over the Garden Wall. Okay. And he's playing piano on like a lot of the songs as well and so it's his brother who's also in that same band he's like playing a lot of the horns and so yeah it's been cool to go from like a fanboy to like hiring the people who have been inspiring me for years and yeah now I'm just nudging little files in my bedroom all day just like and like all right are you uh released that on like like Bandcamp a Spotify and everything it'll be on Bandcamp as well okay yeah I'll be linking the Bandcamp stuff to you in the show notes. I, I know Bandcamp gives the best kickback to the artist. It's true. Yeah, and they have Bandcamp Fridays where they give 100% to the artist, which is crazy. Yeah, so use Bandcamp when you when you check out Connor's music. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's that record. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that album. I want to dive into that one when it comes out. Yeah, now that I know that people are looking with toward albums with fine-tooth combs like you, I'm going to be a lot more careful about where I put my songs in the track list. <laughs> <laughs> I had a previous guest that he likes to rearrange tracks in his head. It's it's yeah. an exercise he does where he, you know, if I were to produce this album, where would I put the, these tracks? And it was something I had never thought of Interesting. before. It's a, it's a, yeah. Yeah, a neat exercise because it, me and my friends were music geeks and we like to talk about, you know, best album opener, best album closer, best, you know, to, Best track five, you know, that that sort of yeah. thing. So the flow of an album and where it's, where songs lie is something that is going through my head when I listen to an album. Why is yeah. this album here? Because that was intentional. It's not like the old days of, you know, a Kiss album where, well, we need a filler, just throw something in there so that we can not have to have dead air on the eight track. Right. And those days are right. gone. It's, it's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating 
like as I began to like workshop this album and like show off all of these uh, songs to people and being like, what do you think? What should change? Should I cut any of these? And even things like the song titles, like I had a buddy look at the song titles. He was like, seven of these are one word titles. You should make them all one word titles. He's like, I don't think the like multiple word titles make it look more intentional. And he was like, I think it'd be really cool if these were all like really short. And he was like, and I think they, they could all work. And I was like, actually, when I do reduce these word counts, they're kind of better titles. So that's like, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The intentionality there, I do think, especially with AI being this like really big buzzword that everyone's thinking about, everybody's worried that like someone is going to be phoning it in. Like maybe my album art was done by AI or maybe like the drums were done by AI. And I just want there to be like intentionality in every single place. And I want there to be like caring human labor in all the places. Cause like that's really, with all of this art, we're really hoping to like connect with people and like see people. So yeah, like involving, like even the album art got like my buddy that I play pickleball with, who's like a fine artist, like got him to like do a like legit acrylic painting oh that's cool. yeah which i'm going to be able to like photograph so i'm going to be like yeah so the, the, there gets to be so much more intentionality this time around and i i just feel really grateful for that and it, it makes me respect other people's intentionality so much more where i'm like man i like the the track skipping thing at the beginning of great expectations of like that's the level of intentionality you would want out of an album so Number one, I'm, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, so I've been diving into albums of that level of intentionality, of nice. Dark Side and the Wall and Animals, you know, since since high school. But one album of recent that we did on the show, Quadrophenia, kind of blew my mind. Quadrophenia, yeah, The Who. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a mega episode. Me and my my friend Luke, we talked about it for over two hours because <laughs> it's it's a double album cool. concept album and. It was one that, still the best album closer, I'm going to say right now, Love Rain Over Me. It's perfect. And if you get a chance to dive into Quadrophenia, it'll probably change your life a little bit. And then you're going to listen to my episode after you do that. Absolutely. You know, we, we break it down. We break it down. Because there's a lot in there. But it's not just telling not the concept no... story. It's literally a story about a dude with four personalities in his head. And there's like motifs wow. throughout the entire thing that Pete Townsend puts in there. And you hear them oh, in different he, ears, whoa. you know, during, you know, these, it's just amazing. It's really wow. amazing. And it's so intelligent. I love it. Yeah. And that's, wow. that's the kind of album that I could probably listen to it right now and then do another two hours with, with Luke diving back into it. Wow. So I highly Jeez. recommend that one as far as the, it's, it's ones like that, that are making me more aware to the little things again on yeah. these albums. That's really neat. That's so cool. When you think about the number of people who have probably listened to that album and the number of people who are picking up on that, like it's probably relatively few like who are picking up on all those little motifs. And I think that's such a cool way to have a relationship with an artist of being like, you know what? Everybody might pick up on like X, Y, Z, but like when you were making this like super minute thing and you're like, you know what? Probably no one's going to care. And then you did it anyway. You did it literally for like me and like, a yeah. couple other hundred people and that was it like which is really cool like you you are that person that mm -hmm. they that they actually wrote that line for 
Well, I would say Luke is the one they wrote the line for. I'll give him yeah. the credit. <laughs> I love a good, just all out rocket album like like Van Halen one. Eight tracks made in 1978 is just boom, 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 boom. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, rock on. I mean, those yeah. albums are great too. But I, I do love yeah. a good intellectual album that you can listen to repeatedly and you find new things almost every time. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, Connor, I'd like to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit and talk with you about the 59 Sound by the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah, this was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Find Connor on, on Instagram, I know. Are you on Twitter or anything else? Or? Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. All right. And what, LinkedIn. What's, what's your Instagram handle on there? Connor Cherland. C-O-N-N-E-R-C-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. Give him a follow on there after you follow Music Rewind. And uh, thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. I'd like to thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are many ways to help the show, such as our Patreon or affiliate links in the show notes. The easiest way, though, is to give the show a rating or comment wherever you listen. We really do appreciate it. Thank you again, and as I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.